Welcome to Sneaker Dads. I'm John Ratner. I want to thank Nick Pocket for being on last week's episode. It got a great response, so go check it out if you missed it. This week on the podcast, we have Ty Curated Van. He's been in the sneaker game for a while, but his brand has received a big lift in the past few years thanks to a lot of hard work and recognition from some well-known sneaker collectors. Ty talks about sourcing rare pairs of 1985 Air Jordan 1s, the market for vintage sneakers, and a lot more. So let's get into it. Hi, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Thanks Good. for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, we've uh, we've known each other for it seems like a few years at least now, uh, chatting here and there um, about about sneakers and uh, doing the odd deal as well. Maybe we'll talk about that. But first, I want to ask you, what's in your rotation? You do share some of it online, and maybe you maybe you stick. I get I get the impression that you're not a different pair every day type of guy. You like your pairs and you stick with them. I'm, am I right? What's in the rotation? What are you rocking these days? Yeah, I mean, definitely always got to throw in a 85 in the rotation. So my my top 85 probably my Kentucky, my black toe, especially because my black toe is soul swapped. So don't really have to worry about wearing that pair as much as the other pairs. But uh, yeah, I got some like sandals like Fizvum Christos. I really like that shoe and um, a few other air forces that are more basic um, newer releases I think they're called the sale platinum tint I I just like the colors on those so it's just something that's easy to wear also some boots which is I don't know kind of it's not sneakers but yeah um, I like the Manny Air 3s that came out as well and then I have a, f- a few pairs of older 4s so kind of kind of kind of a little bit of everything thrown in there and, you know, you get the questions in the DMs, I'm sure, but in the comments, are these wearable? Are these wearable? And maybe we'll talk about that later. But in general, you're the type to wear. I, I imagine you have a couple pairs that are for display. But for the most part, you talked about some of your 85s. You try and get them regularly worn. Yeah, I mean, well, for the pairs that are my size, because I'm trying to complete the whole set. So I do have some pairs that are that aren't my size that I just can't find my size yet. Um, but I try to wear them as all wear them all because I want to I want to keep them in the shape that they're in and I want to keep the bottom flexible so it doesn't harden. Yeah, you know, that's maybe we'll jump into that because you and I had an experience with a pair I was trying to sell and and you ended up uh, taking them off my hands and you were able to tell just by a video that it was getting hard. I mean, I, I described it to you, but I wasn't quite sure. Everyone says, you know, you got to wear your shoes with the with the foam midsoles, with the air bubbles and things like that. And we know why and we know how they break down. And we also know that over a long period, you can have a 20, 25 year old pair of fours if it's worn and if, if it, it's been treated or stored or or whatnot. But can you talk about how important that is also to wear pairs like dunks and ones? Yeah, I think for for ones, what I've kind of noticed is definitely wearing your shoes as well as how they're stored, like the humidity and and such plays a huge factor. Um, A lot of pairs that I see coming from Asia or Asia in general, actually, where the humidity is higher, a lot of those shoes have have the hardened, hardened midsoles or which, which pretty much makes the shoe unwearable. Um, there's a few ways where you can restore some wearability back into the shoe, but it's like 50-50 and either you're going to restore them or you're going to do the method and then bend the shoe and have the sole crack. So um, for me, um, wearing the shoe does play a, a huge part because Obviously, the midsole needs to be flexed to stay flexible. If it just sits in one spot, it's it's just going to harden up, and you don't want that. Yeah, and going back to the story, it was my Royal 85s that you 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 took off my hands, but we discovered soon after um, that they were hardened, and or at least partially. They weren't, I guess, completely rock solid. How did you know? I don't think I ever asked you. I mean... A lot of sneakers, older sneakers, get that sort of white kind of coating on it, but that's not necessarily it. There's, is it the actual kind of hairline cracks you're looking for, or is there more? 
the hairline cracks, but I mean, there are some pairs that have completely soft midsoles that do have the hairline cracks as well. So it's kind of like the midsole develops a tint almost. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of just learned um, over buying so many pairs that when they have the tint or whatnot, then they aren't, well, I'm going to assume that they're hardened, um, which ultimately sucks. But yeah, the, the midsole kind of develops a different color when, it, when it's hardened versus when a shoe is still soft. Yeah, and obviously seeing the more pairs you see, the better it is to kind of tell. And uh, like I said, you did it. You did it over video, so I was amazed. And 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 I obviously, um, you know, transactions such as those small or big transactions, you want everyone to be happy. I want to go before we get deeper into eighty fives and other things that you sell and you're into. I want to hear more about what you have in the collection you started off you talked about that you're trying to complete the set maybe that is a place to start but i also want to hear what else you're into what other what other pairs you have you like maybe even what else you're looking for i know the the set is probably your uh your main focus these days yeah right now definitely the set's my main focus because if i um get started on some other sets then (laughs) it's just gonna be a I'm going to be all over. So just trying to focus on one set and then move on to some other sets. I really, I find the sets super interesting. Like I'm debating starting the city pack for the SBs, but the prices are getting out of hand now, especially for the Paris, which is a hundred thousand dollar shoe now, brand new. So whether that'll be achievable or not, um, I'm, I'm not sure, but that's something I have my eyes on. Um, what else do I have in my collection? I got, well, I do have some older SBs, um, few older dunks that I wear as well. Which ones? Uh, I got the Clovers, the Clover uh, 2003 pair. I really like that pair, just the green and the leather quality is actually good. I'll only touch older dunks. Um, I won't really touch any of the newer ones. I'm really not a fan of the quality that that Nike's pushing. Um, I got uh, the black Supremes wear those quite a bit just because I don't know. I personally, I like the, the I like the elephant print. Um, I have some zoo Yorks as well. Kind of, kind of, kind of all over. Um, and then also just some like more basic pro bees, but yeah, that's, that's about it. Some air force ones in the mix too, right? Yeah, the Air Force ones I have are some newer pairs. I'm really looking for the linen, the OG linen pair, but I can't find my size. I can only find smaller sizes. I've just been finding like size six to size nine. Uh, Nutmeg had a size 10 that I almost pulled the trigger on. Probably be a little bit tight. So looking for like a 10 and a half, 11. But yeah. Yeah. And then the rest is mostly ones and some newer higher number Jordans, not too high threes and fours. Is that what I'm seeing? Yeah. Threes and fours are probably my favorite Jordan. I think my favorite Jordan silhouette is, uh, is the Jordan three. I don't know. Personally, just like, like the fit, uh, like how they look on feet. I just picked up a 1988 pair. That's my size, but they need to be fully restored. So those will definitely be added to the collection. Well, my personal collection, um, having a really hard time finding back tabs for them though. Yeah, I saw you posted that in your story, I think, yesterday. And I didn't know if you were looking for a specific back tab that matches an 88 or just any Nike Air back tab. Is there is there a difference? Like, they're going to be, they're obviously going to be remade, right? I mean, you don't want the original, though. They'll, they'll probably be falling apart. So you're just looking for a regular Nike Air, like, that you can, yeah. because you can age it, right? You can make it yellow or whatever, because, because if you do, I'll DM you who I use. Yeah, no, I do. I think the 88 back tab is a different mold compared to the rest of them. Cause I can oh, find right. 94 back tabs That's what I'm and thinking any of. other back tabs, but everyone's stopped making 88 back tabs now. So I need to find someone who can make like them custom, Yeah, um, which is really giving me a pain right now because well, I'll probably end up waiting quite a while to get them made, but it'll yeah. be worth it. I'm thinking 94. Sorry, you're right. 88 is totally different ball game, and uh, yeah, but um, yeah, maybe that, maybe someone to to make them custom for you, and uh, and that's the way to go. You, you got to do. I have my um, my um, fire red force from you, and uh, 
so far um my son hasn't decided to um to test them out but if he ever does i'll probably need new uh back tabs as well as um but uh you know getting a pair of 88s would be would be cool to have them wearable i know i love my um my 94 black cement 3s and uh and uh they're they're like tanks i mean black cement 3s are already tanks but the old ones really are and as you know the leather is just a really nice really nice worn in you we talked a little bit about you know completing sets and things like that and you had scott renas who was on my podcast uh, a while a w- way back and um, you had him on live and he showed off his now complete sets several complete sets and i i know you're not going down that road yet but I do want to talk about your Jordan one set because you have a couple of the super, super rare ones, but you're also missing a couple of the super rare ones. Can you talk about those? Yeah. Um, recently knocked off the 1985 natural gray low, which I haven't been able to come across a pair in two or three years. Uh, I had one a little while ago, but I ended up selling them to Rolo aka dunks are nice because that was the last pair that he needed to complete his collection so yeah wanted to wanted to help him out and and help him get that pair so i i sold that pair and then and ended up stumbling on upon the upon the pair that i have now um so so yeah no i'm stoked finally stoked that they popped up and i got that pair now i just need the rest of the metallics which are giving me a uh, a really really hard time to find and but you're confident you're confident you can find them i mean some people think that i mean they exist people do own them you've seen them right i mean are you harassing people in the dms i mean maybe harassing is not the word it's it's a community right i mean there's you know you talked about helping rollo and like you kind of want someone to finish the set, even if it means you're going to be later. Right. I mean, and maybe they'll come up on something and and know you're looking for it. Right. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I do know of a few pairs and a few people that have the pairs that I need, but at the same time they want trades. So it's kind of all about tracking down a shoe that I can use as this trade bait. Uh, I just traded my Tokyo pair that I got from Tong for a box, which will help me, um, complete uh, a set that I've, I've assigned pair. So that is the box for the signed pair now. And, and then I got another metallic green. So I'm hoping to leverage the metallic green um, for another metallic that I'm missing because when someone's trading away, away a rare pair, they, they don't even want cash. Now it's like, I want another pair that is the same rarity value because I can't just go out and find this shoe um, from from someone just by posting on my story like now to find these metallics you've either got to know someone in the game or a collector has got to be able to help you out or something like that it's it's crazy because like metallic oranges i think maybe there's like 12 in existence that we know of um, out of like all the collectors and everyone that's talked so that's definitely going to be the hardest shoe for me to find whether i find it i don't know hope hopefully but not sure you know, it's very cool that when we're talking about, you know, people wanting trades and cash not being even, I mean, it's, 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 it's a factor. I mean, you're not going to trade a, trade a, you know, a, a black and red 85 for, for a metallic orange 85, obviously, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, maybe some money gets exchanged in, in but it's really about not being able to find it in a world where we talk about how things have changed so much that you everything is accessible you can become a collector overnight you go on StockX, you go on ebay you go wherever to to a resale shop and you can have everything you want in the in the vintage market yes money can take you so far i can go on your website i can go on that magnetism i can talk to people like you guys and buy as much but I can't find a metallic. I can't find, I mean, it's, it's a different world. It's, it's kind of old school in that sense that you got to talk to people, you got to hunt. And it's, I don't think it's a lost art because people like you and to me, to a degree, I'm not hunting for anything right now. And I think hopefully those days are behind me, but I still do look, look around. I mean, that's still alive and well, right? Yeah, no, for me, definitely hunting is, 
one of my one of my favorite favorite parts of the game because um, I mean within hunting you get to talk to so many so many people and just over, overall like build relationships with them which is awesome um, so yeah no I'm uh, just just trying to get out there and make the word known that I got some shoes up for trade and hopefully soon enough I'll be able to nail down a deal with someone and we'll be able to figure it out but right now literally just hoarding rare shoes that I can use for trade bait like I have these DS88 white cement threes which is different than the pair I was just talking about Um, multiple collectors have like reached out to me trying to buy them for cash but you can't just go and find a DS88 um, white cement three now it's almost impossible to find one so if uh, if someone comes along with a metallic, I'd be willing to trade them plus cash, like just an example of a trade. Um, so yeah, for me, trades have definitely become really big. And I mean, a lot of people are more so opposed to trades, but I guess for, for my shoes, trades are, uh, or for the shoes that I'm moving, trades are quite important. Yeah, and I see that on your Instagram. You're quite explicit about it. Trades only, and I'm sure people are hitting you with cash offers anyway, and and I'm sure it's hard to resist sometimes. I, I'm curious, and, and don't tell me what they are, but do you have even a stash? Because you, you post something on your Instagram, and you want people to see it, and if they have the pairs that you're looking for, engage with you, so that's why you're sharing it. You're not sharing it if you're not selling it, you're not sharing it to stunt because you want something you're, you're, but do you have even like another stack or mini stack of things that are even like only for only if I see the pair or like not advertised yet. And again, don't tell me if you don't, but is there even another level of just like, okay, this is here really as ammo, like backup. Um, I think I might've like teased the majority of, of the shoes, but I haven't listed, listed some of them for sale. Right. Like got some like DS 89 fours that I haven't posted, um, some, like white cements. Then those threes, I think I posted them once, but I mean, I definitely could, uh, could get some hefty, hefty coin for them, but but at the same time, I'm not going to be able to find uh, find another pair. And the story behind the, that pair was pretty crazy. So it's just a, it's a cool shoe for me to hold on to. Um, in addition, I mean, I, I do have Chicago's and like Black Reds Royals sitting there that no one knows that I have. But like, I guess when the when the time is right, either I'll move them or I'll end up trading them. Um, so yeah, I mean, there is there is stuff behind what I post on my Instagram for sure. Awesome. We talked a little bit about the community. I also want to ask about your sort of origins or influences. Were there things that got you into sneakers or what got you into vintage or was something you just discovered over time? Because for me, it was, you know, I was into sneakers and then I started realizing, Hey, these are older quality pairs there's an opportunity. Sometimes I can find things that are people are sleeping on and, and things like that. So how did it sort of come about for you? Because I know you were involved in sneakers and selling sneakers for, for years past. Yeah. So for me personally, I think I was always more so into like vintage clothing and whatnot. I think um, just like going to the thrift or, something like that. Um, just going to, going to get jeans or flannel or something. I think that drove me to, to, to vintage shoes ultimately. Um, yeah, no vintage shoes now has just taken over me. Um, I think when I got my first 1985 Chicago, that's what really connected me to the whole vintage scene. And then kind of just, catapulted from there and I got I got all these other pairs in and just started collecting and whatnot and then the collecting of those shoes turned into selling because I I mean I was selling shoes at the time because I needed to fund fund myself and I needed to fund money to be able to buy shoes Um, so that's kind of how I got into it I'd also say 
just like the Japanese culture had a had a part of me diving into vintage for sure. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about that because as most or some of the listeners will know, a lot of um, these vintage sneakers come from Japan. They maybe went to Japan, came back, maybe took a couple trips. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and maybe what people might not know about sourcing sneakers like these? Yeah, so I'd probably say three years ago, you could go like on uh, on Yahoo and find so many 85s. I'm talking like there's metallics listed. Uh, I missed out on a black metallic, a burgundy metallic. And that's just because at the time I was like, no, too expensive. Uh, so now I'm kicking myself that I, uh, I cheaped out at the time and I didn't, I didn't buy those. Um, but yeah, no, the Japanese sneaker culture has a knack for, for vintage shoes. So it's way bigger than the state sneaker culture as well. And, uh, I just think, I think Japan is more focused on vintage, even like clothing in general. So on, uh, on Yahoo or Makari, um, there is, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff to be found on there. And I definitely don't do much sourcing from there now. Um, a lot of pairs have kind of dried up from there. Majority of my stuff now comes from within North America or, say somewhere in Europe, like Italy or France or those type of areas now, but the odd gem does still pop up there. So I think it'd be better if I had a actual connection in Japan. I know Tong was talking about his connection in the, in the recent podcast that he did. So that's definitely, definitely uh, an advantage that I don't have. Or just get out there once a month, right? <laughs> a little harder to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was actually planning to go to Japan right before COVID hit, and then COVID hit, so I haven't been able to go since. Um, yeah, tough to travel. Uh, I think Japan might be uh, particularly tough. I haven't checked, but um, definitely a uh, a great place to visit, not only for the sneakers but to hunt. But like you said, a lot of them are online anyway, and and people have people have discovered that market. So it must be harder. Are people hitting you up more? I imagine they are. I know I do. Hit you up to sell instead of you having to find. Yeah. Now, uh, now I think that that's a a huge thing, especially. Um because I don't know, people, I got featured in a few articles were saying like, I'm selling 1985 Jordan. So I had quite a few messages um, of people who had it, had the shoe, but they didn't know what they're worth or like, they didn't know how much the shoe was worth. So then they messaged me saying that, um, Hey, I got this shoe. They've been in the closet for 37 years. Um, I bought them for my dad. He never wore them. So then I'll end up buying them from them. Obviously I'm not I'm not just here to go, go make coin. I want to make, I want to make them happy. I want to give them a fair price for the shoe too. So as well as, I mean, you go search 1985 Jordan one on eBay as a price check and you're going to see all these astronomical prices that are on eBay for people who are just listing them way higher than they should be. So at the same time, it's kind of hard because I guess when people go and they're trying to figure out what the shoes are worth, there's all these shoes that are completely overpriced on eBay. And that's kind of what people base their price on. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any memorable ones? Maybe, maybe you know, you're much younger than me. Maybe you, you didn't have the opportunity to go to a garage sale and see something for five bucks. But do you have any memorable come ups or, or stories about unexpected finds or or maybe someone coming to you and saying hey i did find this in my uh my 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 closet or 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 you finding things that uh that you you never imagined yeah um well i got two stories i'm trying to think of which one i should share you can share both (laughs) i can share both all right let's do it so the first story i had was this dead stock size 10 1985 10 and a half 1985 chicago the originally the previous owner worked at a a store back in the day so then he ended up buying this pair for his dad who was a dentist at the time but his dad said that the colors were too crazy and he'd only wear a white shoe with a with one solid stripe so the red and the 
the black and the white was too much. So then they just ended up sitting in this Ziploc bag um, in the closet for 30 some odd years. When I got the shoe it was crazy because I opened up the Ziploc and the Ziploc is all like yellowed at the top and wild. Unfortunately, the collars hardened probably just be because they're in that Ziploc and didn't have a whole lot of air and like room to breathe and whatnot. But yeah, that was definitely one crazy story. Um, and then another story I have was where this boy posted a, a TikTok actually saying he found these shoes in his grandpa's closet and they had the original box, um, but the house was flooded. So the shoes were flooded. So then he was saying like, he didn't know how much the shoes were worth because obviously they had some like flood damage or they were in a flood. If I showed you the box, the box is pretty beat up because it's water damage. Um, so I, uh, people were like commenting, telling him to message me on Instagram, send me the pictures and whatever. And he was really worried because the shoes had water damage. Well, the leather just had a few marks on it from the water, from the water. Um, I got them and simple clean, all the marks were gone. But that was that was definitely a cool story because I guess his grandpa bought them, put them in the closet and just forgot about them. They're never being worn, but the collars have some damage. The insoles, some of the print is missing. That's just because of the water damage. Um, but if I showed you the bottom, there's absolutely no wear on them. So those are probably um, two of the cooler stories that I've that I've came across. Um, you know, there's always those skeptics when people post those TikToks or Instagram, but there you go. There's proof that uh, sometimes people do find rare sneakers in their grandfather's or her father's or mom's or someone's closet, right? Oh, totally. Because I know there's also people who are resellers and, and they're making videos like, hey, I found these in my grandpa's closet. And they're just solely doing that for views to, yeah. to yeah. gain traction for their account or whatnot. Yeah, we see that and we see the, oh, I destroyed this pair. Look at me clean it. And all of a sudden it's, uh, yeah, a few of those things. But uh, hopefully uh, people are learning to decipher uh, what's real and what's just for the views. We, uh, we're talking about finding pairs. And I'm wondering how much of what you're doing these days is looking for specific people. I, 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 I think sometimes people are asking you, hey, I need this. And you're looking because you say, hey, I need a size 11, right? And, and some, someone I imagine, or if it's for your personal, <laughs> you're asking, but do, how much of what you're doing is, is looking for doing work for specific people? And how much of it's just looking for inventory? To be honest, um, like a while ago, I was doing a lot more sourcing and that's just because I could actually fulfill what people were asking for. Um, now, obviously, like my audience has grew quite a bit. So um, I don't really have all of the connections in the world to be able to, to get what everyone's asking for. So now it's definitely more so I'm finding what I can find and I'm just going to post them um, either on Instagram or like my website drop when I do that. And that's just because I want to keep it as fair as possible. I do have like people coming to me complaining um, when I used to go out and find shoes for certain people or say someone reaches out um, saying that they need this size and this shoe. And then I go find them that size, but then someone else is looking for the exact same size and that shoe. And then they're mad that I didn't sell it to them. And this person only got it. So now I've found that just doing like first come first serve on my website is the fairest way because everyone gets a chance at that. And I don't have to deal with any of this conflict that I don't, I don't need because I'm, I'm doing my best here and I'm not, I'm not trying to, create any enemies or anything like that sure you want to keep your customers happy you want to keep them coming back but at the same time i mean and you don't want your dms flooded with people requesting you hey i need a pair of 85 uh black toes or or whatnot because I'm, I'm sure you do get those but at the same time i mean not just for you but that I, whole idea we talked about in the community and having conversations with the with people i mean it doesn't hurt for someone to say hey um, I'm looking for this. Mm -hmm. I have this. If you ever find it, I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't discourage 
totally. me from if I had a pair here that I knew you were missing or you'd want to double up to say, hey, Ty, um, yeah, you know, if you ever come across another pair of black toes, I'd be happy to get rid of these and these, right? I mean, but you just, you, you just, you don't want to, like you said, you want to make it fair, right? Yeah, no, totally. Um, definitely if someone's reaching out and they got a shoe that they want to trade for a certain shoe, like I know I'm looking for certain shoes in certain sizes so I can trade for one of the pairs that I'm missing. So no, that I never discourage and I'm, I'm more than happy to try and help someone even if I don't know even if they need a size swap and I can make it happen at that time then I'll do my best to to help them out but yeah it's just becoming difficult to fulfill what everyone is asking for if everyone say there's like 10 people asking for a a 1985 Chicago Jordan 1 size 10 yeah the chances of me getting all 10 pairs at one time is (laughs) near impossible so um yeah that's why i've definitely resulted to doing first come first serve kind of right now um but trades are definitely different yeah can we talk a little bit about some of the athletes and celebs i know you probably don't want to share your business with everyone and i wouldn't want you to but as far as the ones that you can talk about and the ones we know about the correct me if I'm wrong, the highest profile would be the Devin Booker and the Yachty who, uh, Devin Booker was just, uh, that one pair of Kentuckys. Can you tell that, that story? Yeah. Um, that was crazy. Cause I, I watched like Devin, I watched Devin on, uh, on TV and he's probably my favorite basketball player of this generation. So it was definitely super cool to, to be able to hook him up on this pair um ben actually ben kirsch kirsch i don't butchering his last name ben k um helped connect me to devin and he helped me um ultimately get the shoes to him so that was that was crazy and there were there were quite a few people um involved to make that happen i guess just like sending the post of the shoes over to someone else and then directing it to devin and then devin ended up liking the post where the shoes were in so then i was like wow this is this is sick like i i i would never have expected to be selling a shoe to devin booker and i i look up to him so that's, that was one thing where i was like this is awesome and even cooler was the magazine well not even cooler but the icing maybe the the cherry on the cherry on top was the photo shoot the magazine right yeah totally because i was talking to ben and um he was telling me he's like we got something cooking up but he wouldn't tell me what it was then i was waiting and then i just then that got posted and i was my, my like notifications on my phone which was like ding, 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 ding. i was getting tagged in all this and i was just like wow and it was just complete shock to me because i had no idea that that was going to happen like honestly um that wasn't something i was expecting but obviously super grateful that that they chose to use that shoe in the magazine cover so that was that was a really cool moment for me as well yeah we're talking about slam magazine i wonder if that preceded or there's been more interest specifically from athletes we'll talk about the music world in a second but does that get you more people hitting you up it's like oh okay or did you already have some athletes hitting you up before that i imagine he wasn't the first or was he um no definitely i've had some uh athletes hit me up before before ben um Nikhil alexander walker is one and then well originally i sold to shot shy uh, julius alexander and then nikhil's his cousin so then i guess shy was talking to nikhil and then they both messaged me shy's bought quite a few pairs off me but i'm not sure if he if he rocks them often i think they're more so just like for the collection he's got some crazy crazy pairs that i ended up getting him but it's really hard to find find 85s in an nba player's foot size which is like a 13 to a 15 those are the hardest sizes to find especially now i mean majority of the nba players that wanted them have them and they're not willing to give them up or so i mean the odd time they pop up but 
Yeah. Very, very, very tough to find. Yeah. Another example of even if you have a, lots of money, you can't necessarily get what you want if it's not out there and not readily available. Let's talk a little bit about the entertainment world because obviously um, Yachty's shout outs and giving you credit, complex, things like that. But maybe we should go back because before that recognition, he was buying at least a few pairs from you. Yeah, um, originally what happened was I had those RE menthols and um, this guy named Zach Bia um, was following me at the time and he knew that Yachty was looking for those. Um, So then Zach connected Yachty to me and then Yachty DM me, um, hopped on FaceTime with him and I was just talking to him, um, showing him what I had at the time, but what I had at the time wasn't really close to what I have now, so... I was showing him, but I didn't have much in his size. So then I was like, um, just let me, let me go find some stuff. Ended up finding him some pairs, sourcing him from some pairs. And then we ended up building a relationship where I was getting him 85s and like older SBs and any shoe that he was looking for. He'd, hey, he'd message me and be like, Hey, I'm looking for these. Um, you think you could help? And then I'll do my best to find them. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how that all spiraled. And then they ended up doing that complex video and he's like, he's like, bro, wait till you see. And I was like, I have no idea what, what, uh, what, what was going to happen. And then he ended up giving me a shout out, a shout out definitely, definitely helped up, helped me out a lot because I mean, there was a lot of people that ended up seeing that video and Everyone loves the Yachty Closet Tour on Complex. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great one. He has a lot of amazing pairs and he's passionate. And, you know, I know getting the business is, is cool, but it must be cool to get the recognition too. I mean, right? I mean, you worked, you work hard finding these pairs. They're not easy to find, right? Totally. I, I appreciate the recognition, but at the same time, I'm not going to go and be like, hey, I sold you those. So you need to give me recognition. Like if no, someone, right. wa- someone wants to give me recognition, then. I'm I'm all for it and I, I really appreciate it because I'm I'm trying my best and hope to be recognized for for what I'm trying to do. So yeah, no, it's greatly appreciated when someone does give me recognition for sure. Yeah, and I think that closet probably led to Joe discovering Joe LaPuma and I, I, I see him wearing Chicago's. I don't know if they came from you, but he certainly is wearing them a lot. And and people like that buying shoes from you and then again more recognition on on his podcast shouting you out and giving you recognition and and more exposure right yeah yeah no um i sold joe a pair of black and red 85s and then he had those 95 chicago's before so those are the chicago's that you see him wearing he wore the black and red 85s in the episode with Shaq. right right okay yeah i've seen both and uh, yeah, I got my uh, 94, 95s and uh, 85s mi- mixed up, which actually that was a topic I wanted to talk to you about. Not necessarily the mixing up. Number one, maybe quickly we could talk about the 94 versus 95 debate. I've seen you say 94s, but there you said 95. So we say 95s in, in your world now, or you still say 94 sometimes? <laughs> no, sometimes I'll like brain fart and put 94 but in my head it's 95 and that's okay. because they released in 95 and yeah. good burger who runs nice kicks vault has has showed shown quite a bit of evidence to actually prove that they were released in 95 even though everywhere you look it says 1994 jordan um so for me it's 95 and for a lot of collectors well 99 of the collectors it is 95 as well yeah i think that has changed in the last probably year or two i think few said 95 before but there has been a shift i want to talk though about the difference and you know they're different shoes completely they're different molds but that's that's kind of what i'm interested in because i always say that you know i have both i have uh 85 chicago's i have 94 chicago's i sold my 95 sorry breads i still say 94 i i sold my my breads um but I prefer that first retro. I prefer the 95. I like the, the higher cut. I think maybe the materials I like more. It's, it's tough. Not really apples to apples. You can't really compare it. 
what do you think? I mean, obviously you love your 85s. What do you think about that first retro? Do you have any? Do you like them? Do you? I'm also curious about what you think about what's happened with prices on both. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any 95s in my collection, actually. I just have 85s for myself that I wear. Um, I, I mean, I would argue that 95s are more wearable. I rarely will ever come across a 95 where it has a hardened, hardened midsole. I don't know if that's just because they're obviously 10 years newer or, or if that has to play a factor in it, but um, the collar material and the, the foam inside the collar is completely different as well as the collar, uh, I guess, yeah, the collar material, which on 85s is like paint almost on some pairs. Um, that is that's different as well I prefer the 85 leather but the 95 leather is also good I think I also like the bigger swoosh on the 85 Um, but the 95 in my opinion is a great retro it's definitely my favorite retro to date Um, but I would take a, a 1985 pair from the STP factory over the 1995 pair Brought me to my next question. You know where I'm going. Factories. You and I have talked about this. You've shared this, I think, in, in various places. Without um, getting too uh, factory uh, <laughs> intense, what do, what do people need to know about factories? So there's a few different factories. There's the TY factory, the TY1 factory, the BY factory, the STP factory, and then the TH factory. Um, the TY or TY1 pair factory, um, that is majority of Chicago's black and reds. I think majority of them will be TY, TY1. That factory has a tendency for the collars to harden and like majority of the pairs with hardened midsoles I see are from the TY, TY1 factory. I don't know why that is. Um, as well as the colors are like super, super flaky at that factory. Um, the TH factory, majority of the pairs I see, the colors are soft and the bottoms are often flexible. But I mean, I, I don't know if the climate plays a part in it or if it's like something to do with the factories using different materials because definitely like say for the colors, the material is different on at each factory and even like the swooshes are some some factories have a bigger swoosh and whatnot. Um, the STP factory seems to be the best factory. Um, like ninety percent of the pairs I find from the STP factory, the colors are completely soft. Bottoms are soft. Feels like a, a newer release. Um, but that is like you and like uh, Carolina blues, black black and whites. I think shadows from the STP factory too sometimes. And then some metallic blues. I think some other metallics as well. Um, and then there's the odd black and red or Chicago. But that STP factory produced uh, those pairs in 1986. Right. For those new to this or not informed can you tell us where these factories are and if they're uh or where they were and and also are some factories pairs from factories much rarer than others um well i wish i could answer where they are but i I don't have enough information to to answer where all the factories were i know ty stands for tom yang i actually have a book here if anyone is looking for a book about history the nike chronicle extra book is excellent it just came out um yeah i didn't mean to put you on the spot i know you're not your your job is not uh geography i was looking more general but people can people can yeah no if if anyone if anyone's like looking for more information than what i can provide right now on this podcast then i would say Definitely, definitely go for that book. Um, yeah. But, but, sorry. No, some, but, but some of these factories are, you see more than others, right? Yeah, I'd say, well, personally, I think I find the most Chicago's black and reds and Royals. Um, so 
that would be majority of the pairs are either going to be ty ty1 by or th sdp is i would say the factory for uh, i don't know kind of the rarer colors which is weird um i would love to see um, how many pairs of each color were actually released at the time if that ever came out that would be so interesting because it's like why are some of these shoes so much rarer than other colors there's no answer yeah you almost wonder if you know on release they probably kept track of how many they released but maybe they didn't keep track exactly about how many were produced and maybe it was like okay we ran out of materials at this factory we're going to the other one or like i, I i'm just guessing um that would be something that um for for the sneaker historians and, and people like you and me that would really really appreciate it. i want to talk a little bit about the market for these shoes we're talking about and maybe we could start with 88s but you also follow the, the dunks and the 95s. And, you know, I sold my doubles because prices were out of control. I never thought they would get to where they are. For 85s, I could understand. Although <laughs> listeners to the podcast would know I sold my dead stock 85 Chicago's at, at what seems like a super low price. And it was actually high back then. But even 95s are going for an exorbitant, well, they're going for what they are. I shouldn't label what they're, I shouldn't say they're crazy mm-hmm. because that's what it is. So can you talk about what you've seen and where you're seeing it now? Because you, you've sort of, you've been doing this specific part of the market for quite a few years and you've seen it right from, from that opportunity where people were kind of, they were, they were floating around and now here we are and it's exploded, right? Yeah. Um, I still remember the day I bought a, black and red 85 size 11 and a half with box for 260 bucks now people are paying like a grand just for the box so the market has definitely exploded maybe exploded as an understatement at this point but yeah i mean like four or five years ago pairs were like 500 to 800 maybe clean one pushing eight to 1200 maybe like super clean um now the market is just taking off i guess more i I think the whole vintage scene has kind of taken off in the past little bit here and there's been like a huge push towards secondhand clothing which i think is a good thing um so I guess, I guess that's just because, well, in my opinion, I see it as like the historic aspect behind the shoes, which is why the shoe is worth X amount as well as the quality is superior to whatever Nike's pushing out right now. So I think the quality um, with the historic aspect definitely plays a part for me. I'm willing to pay more for a shoe that is better quality than going to like i wouldn't buy a 2015 chicago i'd rather buy the 1995 i think they're almost around the same price which i think which i find is crazy um yeah i would i would love to actually see but i'm i'm pretty sure they're around the same price yeah i was gonna say that i think people are starting to realize that you know vintage pairs are truly limited because they're falling apart they've been worn um, they're, um, they're gone or people are holding them tighter than ever. And, you know, like I've sold a few, but what I have left, they're not going anywhere. If my son or daughter doesn't want them, they're still going to have them. <laughs> I'm going to make them keep them when I'm gone. Um, and then when I'm gone, they could do what I want, but they're not going anywhere because um, at least having a few is very important to me. I think a lot of people are like that. A lot of people are like that with big ones, but, but yeah, it boggles my mind that, you know, it could be valued. Obviously they're, they're valuable for a different reason. I think the Chicago's from the latest retro and, and when we're going back to 85, but that brings on what I, what else I wanted to ask you is, is trends in the market because you see on your website and you see it, um, in pricing, do you think 
we could have reached a peak for Jordan One vintage these these older pairs, or do you think it's just going to keep going? Good question. Um, I mean, it's kind of that's a tough question to answer because you would think that eventually we're going to reach a peak. I thought when the Paris Dunk was at forty k, that was the peak. I had a chance to buy a pair for like 30, 33K or something like that. And then I saw that pair sell at the auction for 105K. Um, so now those kind of, kind of out of the picture. Um, but it's, it's very hard to answer that question just because these shoes are just going to become more scarce and more scarce over, over X amount of time. And that's just because there was only a certain amount released at that time. And, now they're getting so old where they're just going to become rare and rare. Some pairs are going to fall apart. Then unless they get worked on, we're going to start seeing more pairs that are soul swap, more pairs that are restored. But if you're a collector, you don't want a pair that's fully restored. Um, yeah. So to answer that, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think so because every day I have, new people coming and they're interested in in this market and i can't keep up with the demand that there is for for these older older jordans or even like older nikes i think now a lot more people are even interested in like 1980s nikes and that's just because the quality is far better than what we're getting now Um, so i think there's a lot of slept on shoes that are that nike released from 1980s to 19 say mid 1990s that a lot of people now are interested in yeah i agree the other thing i wanted to ask you about along the lines we talked about you know collectors who are wearing their pairs collectors who aren't wearing their pairs but how much do you encounter or how much do you see or how much you think is out there people buying to invest buying a shoe to flip or more so for like a long-term thing like a like a piece of art yeah, no, um, definitely when someone is hunting, say, like a dead stock Chicago or a dead stock 1985 Jordan, they're buying it with the intention of it being an investment. Um, the last Chicago I sold probably a month ago, that spot is an investment, probably just going to go hit the closet and they're going to chill in there for for a while. And then when the guy's ready to move them, when he's happy with his return on the shoes, then they'll be sold. But I think especially for a lot of these pairs that are brand new, um, well, just with what they are, there's a lot of, a lot of value behind them and they are investments for most people. Um, I mean, man, these shoes probably yielded a better return than the house I live in over the past, over the past years, which is absolutely insane. Um, I guess I've also seen a a big shift of shoes becoming more art pieces almost. Um, I think that shoes will start being shown in more museums versus like paintings and whatnot. And shoes will eventually become somewhat similar to paintings and looked at as art pieces, especially like you see some, some shoes that are signed game more Michael Jordan first. I saw the airship sell for 1.5 million. Who would have thought that a shoe would be selling for 1.5 million? Because definitely, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that a shoe would fetch that much. If you go ask anyone on the street, hey, what do you think? Um, yep. The most expensive shoes ever sold for, they'd be, I guarantee, they'd be way <laughs> off. Yeah, and we see, we see even new releases, limited releases, Louis Vuitton, Virgils, and things like that going for wild amounts, and and they're not even vintage. And so this podcast will air after the auction starts and probably ends, but you sent some pairs to Sotheby's. Is that, is that right? Yeah, probably like probably three months ago. Now um, I sent a natural gray low, um, a dead stock Chicago, no box, some dead stock 85 Kentucky dunks and a pair of dead stock terminators. So, 
I I sent them to them. They're doing this auction in New York. It's called Modern Collectibles. Um, there's a few other crazy pairs in there, which is um, like I think there's some Red Octobers, the Air Mags, 2011 and 2016 pairs. Um, then there's the sign sign game worn Michael Jordan in there as well and um a salesman sample which is like one shoes is chicago one shoes of black and red and yeah the auction i'm excited to go check it out and uh i don't know go uh, go see the exhibit I don't, i'm so curious to see what it's gonna look like so so the auction is an exhibit they show off the show off the pairs and then people bid and there's like a month a month window or whatever whatnot yeah, so the auction is all done online. Um, yeah. The auction opens up on March 21st, which would be after this podcast airs. But I mean, before this podcast airs. But yeah, the auction, I think, is live for nine days. Um, and then they have an exhibit in New York City where people can come view the pairs. I think that's on from the 26th to the 30th. So either you can, you'll see the pairs online if you're not in New York, or if you're in New York, you could stop by and go check out the shoes and see what. What, what's there yeah and if people want to know how auctions work they can they, they can look it up themselves and obviously Sotheby's takes a cut they do they do work and and but how do you get connected with them do you hit them up and say hey um I have these I think they're worthwhile and then you communicate with someone and is that is that how it works they actually reached out to me um via email uh I think that that's just because they wanted some dead stock some dead stock 1985 Jordans in the auction. So I was like, never done an auction before. Um, I'll give it a shot, sent a few pairs. And now I'm just here to see how it goes because I mean, I have moved dead stock pairs myself, but I also wanted to see how it works out as a, as an auction, uh, like from an auction perspective, I guess, I guess one of the downsides is I don't get to actually interact with the person that the shoes will be sold to and develop a relationship there. So that's definitely one thing where a little bit of a bummer, but at the same time, I'm curious to see how it will go and have no idea where these shoes will end up price wise. So, so kind of be like a price point, I guess, almost now for, for all these shoes. Cause I guess I have, absolutely no idea what they'll end up going for yeah sort of a new player in the market and obviously the person emailing you is a Sotheby sneaker person it's not someone who who, who's a fine art person they obviously are in this I mean we've seen it they're they're in this business now and and they're doing it so and and it's not the first auction and they're they're doing it ongoing so it's cool and and uh I'm sure uh I'm sure Everyone will be surprised when they see those prices. I hope, I hope so for your sake, but good luck with that. And uh, it's cool to do something different and see how it goes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was like, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. Cause I mean, you gotta, gotta take some risks, even though there's like a risk that I guess the shoe doesn't go for as much as I, as I would like for them to go. Um, I'm willing to take the risk and yeah, I thought, I thought it would be a cool experience. Got to, I'm going to New York, so I guess check it. I'll check out the exhibit for sure. And yeah, I mean, definitely a good connection to have as well. So no, I'm, I'm stoked and hopefully it goes well. So on, along the lines of display and things like that, is there anything in your collection? Obviously you talked about, you know, finding, looking for tabs and things that aren't wearable at the moment, but are there pairs and, and you talked about in the, in, the, in the ones that aren't your size, but are there pairs that even if you could find in your size or, or that you own that are truly, truly display pieces that you just like to look at and you never, you never even plan to swap or you never want to? See, that's the tough thing with the metallics is the metallics, the material of like the swoosh, like the actual metallic part is super delicate. So yeah. you put that shoe on, you wear it. If I even went and like touched it and scraped it with my finger by accident, I'm going to peel off the paint and you're trying to find a metallic that has a good amount of paint left, or then it's just left with this like white piece of felt that, yeah, which is just, it's not a metallic anymore. So uh, I don't, I don't wear any of the metallics that I have. Well, none of them are my size. I have one 
metallic red pair that I just got actually, but they're missing majority of the metallic. So I've worn those a few times, but trying to see if I could get that metallic redone on that because they're some of the reconstructors now. Um, I think Maxio and I are going to try and see if we can restore just the metallic part on the shoe without doing anything else to the shoe. So that would be super cool if I could make that happen just because I want, I want, I, like, I want the metallic, but yeah. So that the last thing I wanted to ask you just led right into it again, because I'm curious what your view of restorations is. I know for my 85s and, and when we've been doing deals, you, you've kind of helped me show, say, you know, here's what you can look for if it's been repainted and it's kind of hard to tell sometimes. And it's another thing that obviously over time and more experience you've, you've found, but what's your view on restoration? I, I know mine is I don't want anything touched up unless it has to happen. If, if the soul is separating, um, let it separate until, you know, it's not really wearable or not comfortable or, or going to do some further damage that is unnecessary. I don't want any, I don't want any paint. I'm talking about vintage pairs. I don't want any paint, but I'm, I'm cool with the sole swap on a, on a 94.3 so I can wear it. Or I'm cool with the sole swap on uh 85. If the, if my heels coming through or things like that, where do you stand? Because you said it in terms of the metallics. So it can continue to be a metallic. I feel like that's, that's okay in my book, but how do you feel generally about restoring, restoring these pairs? You try not to, or are you happy to? Um, well, majority of the pairs I don't want to touch, but if a shoe needs, uh, needs to be restored, then I'm going to do it. Like the natural gray low that I just got, the bottoms were completely hardened, cracked. So those I got restored. Um, I got a new midsole put onto them, but I made sure to do it right where I literally spent 370 usd on buying that new neutral gray high for the donor of the shoe so it would have the same 85 midsole as the natural gray low which a lot of people would say is a waste of money because i'm spending that much on the shoe but i'd rather it look original than not look original um so that's kind of how I see it. Like even the white cements that I just bought, they're completely missing the midsole. The back tabs are gone. Um, Soul Addict was the one who sold me them. If anyone watching this podcast goes and searches them on Instagram, you'll see the, that shoe. That shoe needs a new midsole, needs a new tabs because could not be worn without it. It's just a shoe with the outsole. That's it. Um, so I try not to touch shoes unless i absolutely need to um i'm against like repainting i'd rather there just be some scuffs marks i mean that's what gives the shoe character so and that goes are. and that goes for your own pairs and the pairs you're selling right because the the market people who are buying they also want as little done to the shoe as possible right yeah totally um to be honest i try not to bring many soul swap pairs in um i do get offered quite a few soul swap pairs and like majority of the time i'll just i'll turn them down unless it's a rare pair say like a black toe soul swap then i mean i'll i'm okay with that but for say chicago's like breads royals unless it's done with the 85 midsole i'm kind of kind of staying away from that just because when people are buying a original shoe they want it to be original. Um, so I think as little, as little work done as possible is where I'm at. And yeah, I mean, the shoe is 30 plus years old, so they are supposed to have some scuffs, some marks, and they're not going to be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. And, you know, in addition to, um, you know, us chatting over the years and doing the occasional transaction, you know, and what you're doing and helping people and, and, and you know, you're, you're pretty good on social and you share and you engage with the community. And I think that's great, but it's also cool I, that to see that someone, you know, a couple of decades younger than me is so passionate about, you know, more passionate than something like I'm, I'm kind of just in, in my zone and I kind of went through my, my vintage phase and I'm just happy with what I have and, and I enjoy them and, and I care about it, but, but, you know, you're, you're deep, deep in it and doing this, you know, 
doing this for a business and, and for your own love of it to see that, you know, you're keeping it alive, so to speak. And, and, you know, a lot of us older guys are kind of like, Oh yeah, the new generation. And they're probably talking about people a little bit younger than you, but, but uh, it still counts. And it's cool. It's cool to see that the passion is is there for for someone in your age group and 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 of course the hustle so you know thanks very much for sharing so much today and you know some of those stories and some of the insights in your business i think i know people will be uh be very um excited to hear what you have to say but uh also it's cool to hear your story uh because um because i didn't know a lot of it so so really appreciate you coming on the podcast yeah no problem pleasure uh i had a great time on here so thank you so much for having me Big thanks to Ty for coming on the podcast. You can find him at Curated Van and Curated by Ty on Instagram. Also at CuratedVan.com. You can find me at Heads Ain't Ready. Sneaker Dads is on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as at SneakerDads.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Later. Later.